Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. It was in September of last year when the El Salvadoran government uh, mandated that Bitcoin be accepted as uh, legal tender in El Salvador. And uh, Mark Falzon, that's Mark with a C, Mark Falzon went down there and checked it out for himself. In fact, Mark, you were down there on day number one, were you not? Yeah, I was actually down there uh, a few weeks before it even um, rolled out, and then I stayed there a few weeks after. So uh, I had kind of a, a good experience of everything as far as leading up to the rollout of Bitcoin and also uh, the aftermath. Yeah, and I, I don't want to rehash too much of that because you did call us about it before, and you've even made a, a full-on documentary film about it. Uh, which people can go and get. Oh, you know what? Give me one second here. We are not on our satellite connection, so that is my bad. And now we are. Apologies to our radio listeners out there. I uh, dropped the ball on that one, so we uh, we're all set now. Uh, any <laughs> anyway, that's uh, rare. <laughs> let me reintroduce him. Mark Falzen is uh, is with us here, and uh, he is the guy who uh, has done a documentary film uh, about what's gone on down in El Salvador. Uh, with the experiment that is, well, let's just say there's some mixed reviews on this thing. Uh, they, on one hand, are definitely thumbing their nose at the IMF and the central banks of the world. A tremendous level of adoption. Uh, St. Martin's with a population of, I think you looked it up, Chris, 76,000 or something like that. Sounds, sounds about right. With well over 100. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically the size of uh, Cheshire County here, which is really small. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, we like to brag about Keene, New Hampshire being one of the highest places as far as per capita businesses accepting Bitcoin. In the United States. It looks like St. Martin's is kicking our butt right now with a, a much higher <laughs> uh, per capita uh, businesses accepting. What attracted you there in the first place? Kind of tell us your your stories, too. Obviously, you left Saint, uh, or El Salvador at some point and ended up in the island. So what happened? Yeah, well, first off, let me just say, it, 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 it's just so funny from my perspective after being in El Salvador and uh, making my documentary there, there was just this negative pressure always on me, right? And of course, there was spyware put on to the phones of journalists that were speaking out, and I was one of the people doing that. So I was always worried. Uh, going from that to being in St. Martin, St. Kitts, where everything is positive and everything is wonderful, and there's no mandate, no enforcement that has just been... Uh, black and white, so it has felt like a, a vacation. But mm. as you mentioned, <clears throat> I've had a really incredible opportunity to experience the rollout, I shouldn't say rollout, but the expansion of Bitcoin Cash across both of these islands. Mark, you were just getting into kind of giving us some of the history on how this happened. And you say it, it wasn't Roger Veer that was responsible for this. Um, he certainly lives in the area, but there was another guy named Sonny who you said was from India that mo- that migrated there? Yeah, so long story short, Sonny came over to St. Martin, which will play a part in the story, obviously. He spent a decade there, then came over to St. Kitts. In St. Kitts, he uh, grew a business and became one of the alcohol distributors. So he's connected with all of the restaurants, mm. a lot of the hotels, all the bars. So what ended up happening is Sonny Gahani learned about Bitcoin Cash from Roger. And 
when he learned about because he, he had no idea what crypto was or how any of it worked, mm-hmm. he realized the potentiality of it, which is, I'm, I'm sure is what you realized, what I realized, what even Roger realized when he listened to your show to learn about Bitcoin, which at that time was uh, functioning as what Bitcoin Cash functions now. Right. And uh, everything from there happened quick. So Sunny being connected with all of the businesses and restaurants and bars here. And of course, knowing people you know, like the ministers and the small community mm-hmm. in less than two weeks, not an exaggeration, less than two weeks, Sonny Gahani himself had onboarded over 100 businesses. The issues that we've, we ran into with AnyPay on occasion was that because they were using servers, sometimes there were some problems behind the scenes and it would make for a difficult uh, transaction with customers. Do you know if the Bitcoin Cash Register app is bypassing any servers and just like dis- Do you know how mm-hmm. the technicals are working there? Is it something that is pretty rock solid as far as reliability is concerned? Yeah. So I, I know a fair bit about the behind the scenes of the the Register app. Effectively, the only thing it's it's calling from is the current price of Bitcoin Cash. Mm-hmm. But if the phone is not online. Let's say the, the restaurant, you know, their Wi-Fi goes out, they can still accept Bitcoin Cash because the QR code that's displayed, the uh, the address, is the owner that's programmed into the phone. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you can, the owner can still accept Bitcoin Cash payments even if the register uh, device or the phone is uh, off. So, so that's, uh, it's, I'm it's actually, off the Wi-Fi. I'm actually a software developer. And that is more or less the solution that I recommended as a uh, replacement to AnyPay. So um, I, I am kind of curious how does that, how does that work in terms of showing you know indicating that the payment was sent and accepted right like does it show paid on the cash register app? Great question. So the answer to that is if it's on the internet, it's on Wi-Fi, it does. You were going to kind of describe not not only can you eat at local restaurants day and night and basically survive off of Bitcoin Cash on this island, but you can do a whole lot more. And you were about to tell us kind of like a day in the life or what are some yeah. of the things you've done. Well, it's not that you can survive here. You can thrive here with Bitcoin Cash. Effectively, everything is available. You can rent a car here with Bitcoin Cash. Lawyers accept it. Jennifer uh, Mar- Harding Marlin. Is a citizenship by investment lawyer who accepts it. You can get your COVID test here and go <laughs> see a doctor here with Bitcoin Cash. Wow. Everything How about a hooker? Think of. <laughs> yeah, the hookers uh, I really want to know about. <laughs> um, I don't know this from personal experience, but I've heard that, uh, yes, there, there are. That is an option. <laughs> <laughs> All right, nice. you sold me. <laughs> My hey, girlfriend might quest, be listening. So. Quick question on the register app Do you know if it's open source? I believe it is. Nice. All right. So you and you got well, a, you guys got a grocery sure. store chain there too, so you can seriously go. You don't have to eat out. You can go to an actual grocer. And I saw you in the aisles in this documentary. This isn't some little bodega or like a no. tiny little shop. This is a massive grocer. Speaking of governments, one of the aspects that you covered in your documentary about St. Martin's was this uh, government guy. I'm not sure what exactly his role is there, but he seemed to have some sort of ranking. Uh, This dude that uh, he's now going to be apparently the very first government official to accept his full paycheck in Bitcoin cash 
And that apparently has never happened before. Remember the New York mayor made a big deal about taking his first three paychecks in Bitcoin, but then I guess he changed back to uh, to cash. But this guy yeah. is taking full and, on. And this is not a small amount of money. I looked it up. It's a six-figure salary that he gets. Yeah, he gets a big salary there. So tell us a little bit about connecting with him and what that could possibly lead to as far as you know political acceptance of uh, cryptocurrency mm-hmm. on the island. Well, that's a whole big story. Uh, so the guy's name is Rolando uh, Bryson, very uh, young politician, and actually a lot of the ministers of the country are. So uh, they're fairly open-minded. Not that you can't be open-minded if you're, if you're not a young guy. But mm-hmm. It helps. You were just about to get into this Rolando uh, Bryson, who is, you said, the head of parliament there in uh, in, in St. Martin's, which is apparently somehow related to the Dutch uh, not sure exactly if they're like a territory. Do you know what the relation is there? Yeah. Uh, I was listening to your show, I think, last week uh, when you're talking about it. So the way it works is um, St. Martin is two islands that are divided in half, and they're both St. Martin, but they're spelled either in the Dutch way or in a French way. Hmm. Um, so the French side is part of France. Same government, same everything. The uh, Dutch side, they have a little bit more autonomy. Wait, you said it's part uh, of France? Yeah, so the French the French side, if you're French, you can live there. Huh. It, it's not, it's, it's part of, same with St. Parks. There's a few islands that are French. Um, so the French side is the French side. And then there's St. Martin, which they have their own government. They have their own uh, voting abilities. They, ha- they have some autonomy. Um, and they're connected with uh, the Dutch. So which side is the uh, northern, is the northern side the French side or the southern side? Uh, I think it's the northern side. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So is there like a big uh, gate or a fence between the two or is the immigration pretty, pretty easy? It's pretty easy. Yeah. And uh, Bitcoin Cash luckily has kind of jumped the fence too. We all know how politicians are. So, you know, you don't want to count your chickens before they, they hatch. Sure. But based in, uh, you know, what I've heard from Rolando and spending time with him and uh, getting a sense of who he is over a period of a month, um, and, and also talking with him, he, he seems pretty committed to not forcing anyone to use this thing if they don't want, which is exactly what it should be. Mm-hmm. Nice. But we'll, we'll see, obviously, what happens, and uh, it may never become a legal tender of, of the country. It, it, it may, and maybe it does in a way we don't like, but it seems like he's pretty committed to doing it uh, the right way. And are they pretty independent of the Netherlands there? Uh, meaning that, uh, you know, they've, they're sort of not directly connected to them. I don't know you know, I, I don't know exactly how deep it goes, but I know they do have uh, a pretty wide degree of autonomy. Like, so they probably wouldn't have to ask the mainland's permission to do something like that. No, I, I don't think they, I don't think they right. do, uh, get permission for that. Good. The French side might, Mm-hmm. Do that, but not not the Dutch side. Um, but I'll tell you a quick funny anecdote. Sure. Uh, not to get too much bad blood with uh, the, the the BTC side, uh, and if you like BTC, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But when the news got out that Rolando <laughs> be taking his uh, full salary in Bitcoin Cash, uh, and also said that he's going to be pursuing making it a legal tender. Is there anything that we should have maybe asked you about the situation there in St. Martin that you want to tell us about that maybe we didn't ask you about? Hmm. You know, off the top of my head, I think the most important elements of this are, again, that 
people are choosing to use it freely and that the locals are using it. And part of that is a lot of these islands have cruise ships, right? So you have people getting off the cruises mm-hmm. and they're hiring taxis. They're hiring, uh, you know, boat taxis. They have uh, the island of Nevis in St. Kitts, which there are two ferries that go back and forth. Both, uh, both of them, excuse me, accept Bitcoin cash. So nice. Um, all of these tourists that are getting off the boat that have crypto, it's going to the local economy. That's so a, really a really great, great point. There, there's really something to be said. I mean, like I said, we live here in Keene, New Hampshire, which is probably the highest accepting Bitcoin, crypto, Bitcoin cash uh, capital of the United States. I've yet to see anything that, that even comes close. Um, many cities, in many big cities, we have more raw numbers than they do, and certainly per capita, we, we whip them up. But, you know, you go into downtown Keene and you see Bitcoin cash accepted here, Dash accepted here, Bitcoin accepted here, stickers on multiple doors of businesses. That has an impact on people. It creates an awareness that that cryptocurrency is real and it's something that they can use. Tell me a little bit about St. Kitts. It's the island just to the south of St. Martin. If you look at map.bitcoin.com, it's got about the same number of uh, businesses on it. Is it like pretty competitive as far as a Bitcoin Cash destination? It is. Um, the, the government here moves a little slower. Mm-hmm. So uh, probably a few reasons for that. But um, St. Martin obviously is, is kind of talking about uh, legal tender status and kind of a funny thing, uh, one of the things that Rolando said to me was, we're going to beat St. Kitts. <laughs> As in, we're going to be the first country that has uh, Bitcoin Cash as a legal tender because that's been something that's uh, been talked about in St. Kitts as, as it's obviously spread to all the merchants and all the people using it here. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rolando wanted to, to beat them, so we'll see if, if that happens. But a little friendly uh, competition, never hurt anybody. It's good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's fantastic. All right. Well, I, I'm really glad that you're out there doing this reporting, uh, Mark. And I, I feel like we've we've covered all the bases on this tonight. I appreciate you staying on for uh, for over an hour with us. And again, your documentary work is over on YouTube at Mark Falzon, M A R C F A L Z O N. You're also on Twitter under uh, the same name. So, as you're aware, uh, uh, the New Hampshire Department of Child and Youth Services is, uh, well, essentially attacking my family. They want to provide um, you with services. <laughs> I'm not interested in their services. Uh, and, you know, this is all over, um, you know, essentially uh, my wife uh, leaving uh, our daughter in a car and running into a store and coming back out and there's busy bodies and cops there. Wow. Um and uh they uh and one thing i must say is uh i am very uh happy with uh the henniker police department really um the uh, the henniker chief of police is a is a real stand up dude he's a real man um and uh he um you know i uh, met with me and my wife and kids and you know saw him and everything and you know uh, he didn't really know me he wanted to talk to me so yeah i'll go have breakfast with you at the breakfast place down the road. And, uh, so we hung out with him for like an hour and a half, you know, and he goes, yep. I told the people at the DCYF, your kids are not, um, uh, neglected. You know, he, he's a father, has a couple of kids and, uh, he knows the difference. 
and uh, they don't care. You know, there was uh, uh, Rochelle Kelly. She was um, the mom that, you know, went to the play down, playground in Concord that was closed during the scamdemic. Yeah, this was in it early was. 2020. I think it was April. Yeah. She got arrested months later for bringing her kids to the park. Uh, she ended up ch- uh, taking that to court and winning. I, w- I wasn't even thinking of that one, but yeah, that's another one. In uh, And it wasn't even a jury trial. She won in front of a bench trial, in front of a judge. That's right. But uh, let's focus a little bit more on what's happened to you, Jay. These goons came to your house today. Yep, they showed up at my house today. And, uh, you know, oh, well, before that, here's what these guys have done that is absolutely insane. Hmm. They... Uh, I have an affidavit here, and, um, you know, uh, uh, I, I, I um, sent some pictures to some people in some chat groups of it, so I'm, you know, sure it could be read by some of you guys in the studio, and they have a, um, a an order to interview my two-year-old daughter by herself. <laughs> that is not happening. How many words could and, she even say if they if they could? Like, obviously, you're not going to let that happen. But I mean, how many words could a two year old say? Well, if you walk around the farm here, she would point out every animal to you and tell you what noise it makes and what the an animal is. <laughs> In this case, it looked like it was a uh, butched lesbian that came to your house today who uh, decided she wanted to take your kids and uh, some other bureaucrat from DCYF and two cops. And you basically called them out for uh, being city dwellers. It was pretty entertaining. I saw the video Bonnie had uh, had seen, uh, Jay, so I did see some of the, the, uh, the video footage. And you basically, t- you know, basically told them to get lost. Uh, can, is there anything that you can uh, tell our listeners as far as suggestions? Obviously, you can't give legal advice, but, you know, sure. these, these goons show up and they want to search your house. How did you handle it? Well, um, I told them, no, I do not consent. And I also have told them several times that I require payment of $50,000 per hour. And because they're the government and they lie, that I need to get prepaid. So nobody's giving me $50,000 to mm-hmm. take an hour tour of my property. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and I just uh, said, absolutely not. And what, what they want to do is, um, and, and what's cool is the order doesn't have doesn't with with this stuff well first off the word children and child and parent they're all like these commercial legal statutory terms which i don't identify as any of those i don't have children i have a a son and a daughter so there's an affidavit in a courtroom that has a signature on it an affidavit stand as uh essentially facts and truth until they are rebutted mm-hmm. so when when uh Someone puts compound and lookouts. Now, all you people in that studio have been to my home. Yes. You see, I have these geodesic dome houses here. They're really cool. They're yeah. domes. Yep. And they both have these five-sided cupolas on top. Well, that's part of the geodesic dome structure. It has to do with it literally not falling down on itself mm-hmm. and, um, you know, heat and moisture. It's a specific architectural design of the house. <laughs> And you know my my home is my homestead is not a prop is not a uh, compound. No, it's, no a, it's a farm. It's a farm. Yeah, <laughs> it's a homestead. 
It's uh, it's a farm it's with a usually town. like some RVs on it from other free staters that are you know crashing there temporarily and it, it, sure. yeah it, it very reminds me it very much reminds me of what New Hampshire is like you know uh, it's a very rural uh, you know part of the the country and, uh, and it's almost a community live. center there's a lot yeah. of activity there especially during the warmer months there's usually you know uh, campfires or cookouts or or whatever going on yeah yeah it, it's it's very oh, yeah, much. Like- a lot of fun when uh, you know when you throw a party or, or whatever. So I have a uh, Farm Friday events. Like today, there was um, uh, eight kids and their parents were basically going to come here and they were going to help me feed pigs. You were just about to explain uh, what your approach is going to be with getting the police chief on record. So, yeah, I, I had a couple conversation with him today uh, about, um, you know, swearing out affidavits to uh, correct the record. Um, you know, um, he uh, um, he said that uh, he's he's lost sleep over this. Um, but, you know, the thing is with this this guy, he um, he understands the culture of rural Americans, essentially, and especially, you know, rural New Hampshireans, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know we uh, pretty much everybody in rural New Hampshire carries a sidearm. Uh, pretty much everybody, you know, has got a pickup truck, mm-hmm. four-wheel drive one in rural New Hampshire. Uh, you know, we pretty much everybody's got. A lot of people have animals. Most properties in rural New Hampshire are basically homesteads like my my place is like a classic new hampshire homestead um it's uh it's you know it's basically what what it is and you know what new hampshire's been since it's been settled um and he uh he understands it he gets it uh like uh the chief of police wasn't here today but two of his officers were and they were both really good and you know i'm chatting with the one guy and he's he grew up on a dairy farm they go on with this other stuff, um, Grant, uh, that they asked for, but it doesn't look like the judge gave it to him, but this is in the affidavit. It says, grant any further relief as maybe just and equitable. Mm. So when that is on a document with DCYF and they show up in your house and they see some dirty dishes, maybe, in, maybe um, you know, there's a poopy diaper in a trash that might smell or you know, um, you know, uh, kids are half covered in, you know, mud and, you know, whatever, cow poop. <laughs> um, this, uh, you know, this is like the catch-all for them. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we can just take your kids. Grant any further relief that may be just and equitable. So the thing is, is never, ever give these guys consent. Mm-hmm. Never let them see your kids. And... There's a website I, I can't think of it right now, but I'll I'll, I'll send it um, uh, over to you guys. That's specific to New Hampshire, and there has been millions of dollars worth of lawsuits settled against DCYF. I mean, there's literally cases where a a a, a, a young girl is ta- a toddler is taken from her father, and the father's like you know a working class kind of guy, given to the mother who's a straight up heroin addict. Mm. And then the mother kills the child. Jeez. Thanks. And the father the father sued DCYF and settled for seven million dollars. I've been, you know, 
going through this stuff the past few days, you know, building my case. So basically you told and, these um, bureaucrats when they showed up that you didn't consent. You've never consented yep. to be uh, governed by the states. Got a little bit of what appears to be some good news. It's very rare that we get good news these days. Uh, but I do like to report on some good stuff from time to time. And Will Yakowitz over at Forbes has the story about the Moore Act. I, I don't know if this is as good as you guys think it is. It's got okay. some bad parts to it. The U.S. House of Representatives passed the Moore Act, a bill that would end the federal prohibition on cannabis by removing it from the list of banned controlled substances. That alone is something to be pretty excited about. Of course, it still has to get through the Senate, and it says here that it's actually the second time the bill has passed the House. So the first time, a year ago, I guess, when it passed, it failed in the Senate, and it is indeed going to face what they describe as strong headwinds there. But the Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act was introduced Hmm. by House Judiciary Chairman Gerald Nadler, a Democrat from New York. It passed the House apparently today 220 to 204. And interestingly, there were, it was mostly on party lines. Three Republicans voted in favor of it. The rest of the Republicans voted against it. Of course, they. Do you know which ones voted for it? Uh, not offhand. I do know that two Democrats voted against it, and the rest of the Democrats voted in favor of it, and one of the Democrats who voted against it was New Hampshire's own Chris Pappas. The Democratic caucus chair said there's a mass incarceration problem in the U.S. fueled by the prison industrial complex in America. He says Richard Nixon's failed war on drugs disproportionately targeted black and Latino Americans. And if I recall correctly, that was was the intention. It succeeded beautifully in destroying the lives of a lot of people. Didn't Nixon's... That's what he wanted. Yeah, didn't Nixon's advisors say that the whole point of the war on drugs was to go after the blacks and the hippies? Yeah, that's uh, John Ehrlichmeyer, I think his name was, and he said that to CNN on the record, and the article was on their site last time I looked for it. Quote, it has ruined individual lives, ruined families, and ruined communities, particularly in communities of color. It's time to end the federal cannabis prohibition. House Majority Leader said this is an important issue because the majority of Americans want cannabis to be legal. He also said that he used to support tough-on-marijuana policies earlier in his political career. Quote, I was a supporter of the war on drugs. I've been here a long time, but it's not a gateway drug. I've been convinced of that. Marijuana has been legalized in 40% of our states, and medical marijuana is legal in 36 states. Sure, it's a gateway drug. A (laughs) lot of people use marijuana to get off heroin. Yeah, that's a good point. Gateway out. (laughs) This is not out of the ordinary, he says. This is something Americans tell us is an appropriate thing to do. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, Listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.